Thank you for joining us on On Air with Legacy Theatre. Today's guest is Dr. Crystal Bryan. She has created plays in Nicaragua, collaborated with Tim Robbins in producing his play version of the acclaimed film Dead Man Walking, and has enhanced theater for the community in our very own Greater New Haven with her work with the New Haven Family Alliance and students from Quinnipiac University. She is a published author, playwright, and award-winning director in LA and beyond. She is also one of the few world-published experts on Horton Foote and his writings, Dr. Crystal Bryan. Thank you, Keely, very much for letting me talk. And um, basically, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, Horton Foote and his work and the fact that um, I know that we have so many amazing playwrights in this country, you know, over the past 200 years, probably. But I think a lot of people don't really know that much about Horton Foote. And um, he did win a Pulitzer Prize, and his work has been done all over the, the world, basically. But I think that if people would like to see some of his work, his plays, then they would start to learn more about who he was. And uh, just a few minutes about that. He was born in 1916, and he was born in um, a town called Wharton, Texas, which is right down very close to Louisiana. And growing up in that period of time, especially in the South, in, you know, the 1916 era and, uh, you know, the like 30 years after that when he still lived there um it had a lot to do with the kkk it had a lot to do with what was happening to african americans during that time period and i i just think and a lot of his plays have been written about exactly that horton grew up in an era when so many of those in the south had people who worked for them and those people were african americans and for horton to grow up with all of that and when he started writing plays in his mid-twenties and had moved to New York City, a lot of the plays he has written about for many, many years have been about African Americans and what has happened in this country and also in the South so much because of this. And you know what happened with the Civil War and all of it. And he has, again, and he passed away in 2009, but his work, he has continued writing plays until about two weeks before he passed away in March of 2009. Um, and I think that if people want to know a little bit more about him, to listen or go to some of the performances of these plays, and one of the plays is The Trip to Bountiful, and that was done many, many years ago in 1950. It was done on TV at that point. It was done on Broadway. And then later it was done as a film with Geraldine Page, who won the Academy Award for it. Then, about five years ago, even though Horton had passed away, his daughter Hallie Foote is the one who now is she's the producer of everything for his work and they took the trip to bountiful and they did it again it was done on broadway it was done uh at the hartford stage it was done in uh, boston and it was done with all african-american actors because the play turned into it was all about african-americans and i just think the fact that this is what horton and now hallie care about so much and when it was done 
in Boston. I went, of course, in 2015, and I was able to just sit because uh, Hallie, I had gone all the way, the, you know, it's a very large theater and I was all the way at the top and Hallie came over right before it started and said, oh, we have a couple of people are coming. Come on down. So I did, of course. I'm from Texas, which my sound is way much. <laughs> and so I, I sat very close to the stage, but right behind me was Hallie. And who did she bring? She brought all of the African-American women who worked in the house they had in New Hampshire when they grew up. She went and got them. And so I was wonderful to, to be on stage to watch Cicely Tyson and an amazing group of, of actors. But right behind me were the African-American women in their 70s and 80s. At that point, one was 90 who made a lot of noises because that's what they do. And it, it was just an amazing moment. And I thought, this is Horton Foote. This is, this is why I, I really hope that more people would know about him because he cared so much. And so now that we have Black Lives Matter and we have what's happening in this you know, country and the world, I think that to be able to have some of his plays performed that a lot of people might think, oh, Horton Foote. That's an interesting playwright. So this is why I've, and I've cared about it for years. And, um, I also, I, I, when I was back in, in L.A., I, I, was, I started my um, Ph.D. at UCLA years ago. And then in 1993, I became a professor at Whittier College, which is about 40 minutes outside of L.A. And while I was, you know, there as a professor, I also started directing a lot of plays in, um, in L.A., and they, a lot of them were the Hortonfoot plays. And um, it just, it, it's so helpful to, to realize that, that people in, you know, Los Angeles really got to know him because there were so many plays being done. And um, again, I think that he, um, you know, I, I just think that, that, I mean, people don't know who he is and I know why. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I know that, you know, people like Tennessee Williams and August Wilson, everyone knows them because they know how to, you know, to basically stay in New York or stay in LA or, but um, Horton, he, he, you know, he moved to New Hampshire because he wanted his four kids to be happy there and he wanted to just write. And um, so I, I, um, I, I did, I think six different plays of his in LA. And then the last uh, play that I did was a world premiere of a play called The Day Emily Married. And it was done in the big theater that we had at that point at Whittier, but a lot of people from, from LA came to see it. And I just, I think that that kind of work, Horton's, he, um, Michael Wilson has directed many, many of Horton's plays. And I'm sure a lot of people know that Michael Wilson was the artistic director at the uh, theater in Houston. And then he was the artistic director at the Hartford stage. And now he's, he's a director in uh, New York, but you know, he, he directed a lot of, of Horton's plays in, you know, around Hartford and, but, but we in, in New Haven and close, which is, you know, Bradford and the legacy theater, a lot of people don't know anything about him because his plays have never been done here. And I just think that maybe in the future, if some of his plays are performed, that people might really get interested in who was he and why did he write the way he did? He very much wanted the world to be a better place. That's what that was. And um, so that's a lot of the reason that over many years I've gotten so involved in, and then plus I spent a lot of time with him when I'm working on the biography. And I just think that to be able to, you know, 
once the legacy theaters open and everything, if 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 there's ever any possibility of directing any of Horton Foote's plays, I think that could be so interesting. Can you speak a bit to Horton's piece, 1918, and and how that might um, reflect what we're dealing with now with the pandemic? Yes, 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 very much so. Um, 1918 was that play, that's one of the nine plays cycle. And that play was done about those who were coming back from the First World War and what was happening with the the, uh, Spanish flu. And so many people died of it. And with what's happening in this country now with COVID-19 and with what's happening in the world with things you know going on, there's so many similarities between right now and 1918. That play, that's why he wrote it. Because he, he grew up with that. He knew so many people died of it. And that's why he wrote the play about it. And he also wrote the play because he wanted to write a play about, you know, people who would come and watch the performances would think, oh, my goodness, that happened in 1918. But it has continued to happen for all of these years since then. And that's why I think that's one of the plays that might be really um, interesting, important to be seen because it's the same thing happening now that happened back then. And that was, you know, a hundred and a hundred and my gosh, a hundred and two years ago, a hundred and three years ago. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Uh-huh. But, um, um, again, just, you know, I think a, a lot of the, his, his nine play cycle is really something of course, but also some of the other plays, including, um, there's a three play, um, uh, you know, uh, three three character play called um, uh, the Carpetbaggers' Children, and that of course was done at the art at the um, 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 Harvard stage. It was done on on Broadway and all of it, but it's only three characters on stage, and they are three sisters. And what they're talking about is after the Civil War, the Carpetbaggers came down to the South. And these three, their their you know their um, their dad and and their mom had to move down there, and what happened was really incredibly um, upsetting and strange and all of that, going from the south and coming down from the north to the south, and to see it on stage, just the three um, sisters on stage talking to each other, talking to themselves. It's a really interesting play. Plus. It's only three actors, so it's not <laughs> huge at all, <laughs> which is a great thing too. And um, and it's never been done around here. Uh, it was done at Hartford Stage, and it was done in New York, and it was also done in LA, but it's never been done here. And I think that's one of the Horton Foot plays that might be really interesting because it has so few characters, and yet the characters are. And when um, when I went to see it at Hartford Stage several times. Um, Michael Wilson was directing it, and I was able to watch. Um, so, so Hallie Foot was one of three. So she was sissy, and then in the audience. So I, you know, and it was one of those they had moved all of the the seats, so it was all around. And on the other side, I would watch Hallie, and then I would see in the audience Hallie's dad, Horton Foot, sitting and watching exactly what was happening. Hmm. He also, uh, Horton directed 
quite a few of his plays mm. in in uh, New York. Oh yes, mm. uh-huh. because when he when he was when he was sixteen years old, you know, I mean, it was you know that was you know in in Texas and everything that was happening, and his uh, his his uh, mama and his papa, you know, wanted him to maybe work at the store. They had a store in Wharton, Texas, but Horton being Horton, and he graduated when he was sixteen years old. He was really involved in acting at the very early stages, <laughs> and he wanted to either go to New York or L.A. and take classes as an actor. And his you know, really amazing mother and father said, okay, for a year, we're going to take you to Dallas, and you're going to work there. Then, if you're still sure that this is what you want, we're not moving you to New York, but maybe L.A., and so when he was 17 years old, he got on a bus and he went to uh, Pasadena Playhouse and he took classes for two years as an actor. And then he moved from there to New York. And he, you know, and he acted for a while, but he, and the reviews were, um, they didn't think he was, they didn't like him as an actor. <laughs> but then almost immediately it got into him, oh, Maybe I should start. He, you know, he had grown up listening, 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 and so he started writing plays. And one he did, I think the first one, it won a, a huge award for the play itself. What they didn't like was one of the actors. Well, who mm. was the actor? Horton Foote. Oh no! <laughs> uh, yes, it was. <laughs> So, so that was sort of the end of him as an actor. Now, you started out in Texas as well and then went off to L.A. and New York and whatnot. Can you tell us a bit about your journey as a, a theater maker? Uh-huh, exactly. Um, so, you know, we had a farm uh, in uh, the Texas Panhandle right between Dumas and Channing. And uh, so I grew up, you know, I, I, it's so interesting, you know, in, in mornings, you know, my, my brother and sister and I would be asleep down in the basement and we would hear a voice upstairs at five in the morning saying, rise and shine, rise and shine, mm-hmm. get up and go, rise and shine, wake us up like that. So we immediately had to put on our overalls and run up because we had to go outside immediately and we had to get the, the uh, bring in the, the, um, the uh, eggs and feed the uh, cows and feed the pig and feed the, kids, the chickens and and we got milk out of the uh, the uh, that was my brother and sister and I so when I was you know eight years old we did it early early then we had to run back to the house change clothes get on the bus and go to elementary school and then junior high and then high school and it just it brought I mean we grew up with that kind of thing which was so interesting that it was very much about a farm in Texas, in the Panhandle. But then, when when each of us graduated from high school, I was the oldest one, so I graduated first. And my 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 papa said, "All right, you can either get a car once you graduate, or he said, I guess you could go to Europe for a short time." And he said, "But Kristen, you know, getting a car is the best. well." My brother and sister. They got cars. What did I do? I went to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Good girl. 
with, with, with a group. So it was all of us who were, you know, like the, okay, there were eight of us. And we, we, we all lived in the, the panhandle. So we all had farms and all that kind of stuff. We got to go to Europe. <laughs> and I just, I, I, and I think that, you know, then we, we, we came back and, uh, and then I went to Baylor for my you know freshman year. But, but it hit me when I came back. I thought I knew everyone else was going to stay in Texas. There was no way that, I mean, some of them went to Oklahoma, but that was it. But it hit me coming back. Oh, and, and I took all the classes when we were in Rome and um, in Italy, um, and they were doing classes in Vincent Van Gogh. Well, everyone else went outside and had a good time. I took all the classes <laughs> because I went, oh, my gosh, to go to, to a, a college in that, you know, Florence. And, uh, so it all hit me. I don't think I can stay here anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go and I want to be and learn. And so I, uh, my papa wanted me to go to law school. So I went, so I, once I got through Baylor, I went to law school at University of Texas, Austin for a year, but I missed theater. So I moved to LA and then I got my MFA in acting at UCLA and then later the PhD. But so that was the sort of thing. It was the same thing that Horton did. Hmm. It was that you, you needed to remember everything, keep it in your head and write about it. But to live there permanently, what can you learn? Hmm. Sort of, I mean, it's very interesting. Well, you know, you're from Texas too, so you know. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> to pack up and go to New York City, get myself to NYU. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And then you went and got your, your master's in Scotland or Ireland. It was Scotland. In Scotland, yeah, the Royal Scottish Academy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, well, Texas can give some people the get up and go. I guess that's <laughs> that's what we're it. saying. That's the theme get up, here. Go, get up and gone. Go <laughs> yeah. So talk a bit about your work in L.A. You did some pretty amazing things there. The Lost World Theater and, and you know, the awards and all that all that you did. So talk a bit about your time there. Right. So, um, so I got my, my PhD in uh, 1993 and immediately got a job at Whittier College as a professor. And so the first two years at Whittier, I, one of the, the second, well, the first year I did, Tina Howe was also a major, is a major playwright. And I did a lot of work with her too. But so I had Tina come uh, to, to, you know, to stay there for three days um, my first year. And then in 1994, um, I brought Horton Foote. And I did Cousins, which was one of the nine play cycles. And for the students in my classes to think, oh, my gosh, these are like Tina Howe and Horton Foote that became me. And so it hit me. I should start directing more and not just at the college. So my second year there, which was so actually 1994, um, I did my first play in L.A. And I did Lilydale. And um and I got great reviews for it, and that's when it started. So the very first play that I directed with equity actors in Los Angeles was a Horton Foot play. Mm. And I did that one. Then I, I did several Tina Howe plays as well. And then I did I did um, um, One Shoe Off, which was wonderful, got all kinds of reviews. Then I also did One Please Spare, uh, you know, which is so different. But the primary plays I directed were the Horton Foot plays, and we won all kinds of awards for it. In fact, we the um, the LA Weekly, which was like a huge, you know, it's one of those magazines in Los Angeles, but that does it's pretty major if you get like good awards for those. And then every year, the LA Weekly would do best uh, play and best um, uh, 
play that has been done before, but for that kind of thing. And I had done um, um, Habitation of Dragons. And I was also working at the LA Weekly, so I knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And the head of the theater uh, had, had, you know, but, because we weren't going to go to the ceremony, because why? I mean, we're not going to win. Da-da-da. And then about two days before, he called me and said, Crystal, why are none of you coming to the ceremony? And I said, <laughs> uh, you know, for one thing, we have to pay for it. <laughs> for another, you know, I mean, no, no one knows who, who, who it is. And he said, you need to come and you need to bring all of the actors. And I can't tell you why. Because I'm the head of it, and I can't tell you why. But because we've gotten our, he got his MFA in playwriting, and I got mine in, in um, acting. So we knew each other for you know years. And and he said, "But if you don't come, what do you think is going to happen?" I went, "Oh, oh my goodness!" <laughs> I called everybody on the phone. In fact, this was the day before. I called everybody on the phone and said, "Oh, oh my gosh, we have to go to the ceremony." And they said, "Why?" And I went. I, I can't tell you exactly, but but we need to go. All right. So we went. So we're all in the big theater in the audience, waiting, waiting, waiting. And then when they got to the the play that will that won the award for the best uh, you know play done you know in, in the past, but done for the first time here, the um um uh, the habitation of dragons. <laughs> oh my goodness so i and all of the actors all equity actors we all ran up on stage and we got huge plaques <laughs> so it just, you know it was really that, that just to continue doing all of the uh, and then to do the world premiere of the day emily married that was pretty amazing because mm-hmm. you know horton being horton he, he would write and write and write and then he would put them you know, away because he wasn't sure what he wanted to change. He didn't know if it would ever be done. Well, the day Emily married was never done. Hmm. And it was way back. And when I was working on my uh, dissertation, which then is the, you know, now the biography, Horton told me that I could go ahead and cut before all of his papers and everything were moved to SMU. They were still at the house. And then they had the house right next door where the secretary stayed. And it was all there, and Horton said, you can just go, go there for, you know, whenever you want to, and you can read everything, because we still have it. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And his amazing his amazing wife, Lillian, had, when I first met her, and she said, you know, you could probably just stay at the house, you know, moving all, you know, like getting on the plane, going all the way back to Texas. <laughs> And I thought that is so sweet of her to say that, but I'm, I'm, of course she won't let me do it. How could they let me go mm-hmm. stay in the house? So about two weeks later, I get something in the mail and I open it, and it's a lovely letter from Lillian, and it's the, uh, it's the, uh, the key. <gasps> wow. Uh huh. <laughs> so I went there. I think four different times, and I would spend, you know, four or five days. I mean, I was at work then, but I would, I would go there, and I spent four or five days. I would just spend all day going through everything, mm. reading everything. And I found the day Emily married. Mm. And, uh, you know, and so I, and oh, and they didn't, you know, they didn't have staples or anything like that in Wharton, Texas. What they had was the sort of, um, you know, where you can go and get stuff for your animals and, you know, it's the a feed store kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they had a printer there. <laughs> oh. 
So I brought everything. I would drive, you know, got my car, I would drive there, and <laughs> I would bring everything in. And then, you know, because other people, there was that was the only place that had a printer. Sure. Some people would come to use the printer, and then I would just sit and wait. And then when people weren't using it, I would do it. So I made copies of everything. Mm. And then I put them in large boxes, and then I mailed them back to, to L.A. So I had I had the day Emily married. Yeah. And when I was, um, I think it was in 1998, at, at Whittier College, just hit me. I thought, my gosh, what if it could actually be performed? It's never been produced. Mm. So I called Horton, and I said, what would you think about that? And I remember he said, oh, Chris, I'm not sure. That, you know, that was, and Lillian had passed away by then. He said, I'm just not, because she loved it. He said, I'm just, I'm not sure. Let me think about it. So I said, of course, of course. And about two days later, he called me and said, okay. You can do it, but because it should have been, it was longer than it needed to be. It should have been, you know, cut down a little bit. He said, I, I can't have you change any of it, though. I know it's too long. I know I'm going to start going back and really redoing parts of it, but I can't do that. Is that a problem? I'm thinking, is that a problem? <laughs> Horton, of course. And back then, I could only say Mr. Foot, and he finally told me, Crystal, why didn't you call me Horton? And I'm like, oh, Texas, you know that guy. So we did it, and we did it the summer of 2000. And then right after that, I moved all the way to the to the you know the East Coast, Quinnipiac. But we had amazing actors who came out. You know, the audience were huge, and they all came from LA. And, you know, to see everything. And then we won amazing awards for it. And I have a beautiful thing that I got on, uh, it's the uh, L.A. Times. Mm -hmm. And they said, then every year, the L.A. Times would do like a major group of, you know, all of that. And I thought, you know, we're not going to get anything for that one. I mean, we, we have a very nice theater, but it's at Whittier College. And when I, and I have copies of all of it, when I looked through we were number 15. I could not believe it. All those major equity theaters in Los Angeles and in San Diego, you know, all of that. And yet, the day Emily married was all the way up at the, that's a, wow. something. <laughs> and then they, then they did it two years later in New York. And of course, Hallie, it was, was Emily. And uh, I think it, uh, Playwrights Horizons. And, and I, I will never, I never will put this in the biography of it. But at that point, Horton's uh, most recent agent had thought, you know, this should be a world premiere. Mm. So she called me and said, uh, Crystal, you, it's just, you know, it's going to be a lot more interesting for this to be the world premiere in New York. <laughs> I mean, theater. Everyone will be there. Hallie is in it. Mm. So if you don't, you know, I hope you're okay with this, but we're just going to go ahead and make this the world premiere. I know that you did that in LA, but <laughs> and, you know, not, not as big. Yeah. And I thought, okay, Horton wanted her to call me. So I said, of course, if that's what Horton wants, yeah. then I think a few hours later, I get a phone call from Horton Foote, and he said, Crystal, you did the world premiere. Mm. No, this is going to be the New York premiere. It won't be the world premiere. Because you did the world premiere. Mm. See that? That was Horton Foot. Mm. And I just think because you know a lot of people, and, and he, he's not. He, in my mind, in Hallie's mind, in Michael Wilson's mind, he is one of our most important playwrights. But 
there are a lot of reasons that a lot of people don't know about him mm-hmm. because you know for a lot of you know it just his work wasn't done in the same way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's that's why and that's why so many of the film versions have been done as well mm-hmm. and um i think and including um the first the first film that horton foot did was um um oh to kill a mockingbird hmm. because they wanted to do a film version of it gregory peck was very involved in that and they wanted harper lee to write the, the screenplay for it and harper lee said no hmm. she had written the novel she was not going to write a film version but she said she knew exactly who she wanted to write the film version, and that was Horton Foote. Wow. And so that began. And that's why I, you know, I, I, when, when I was, you know, on the phone with a lot of people putting it into the biography, Harper Lee, at that point, it was Harper to hear on the phone. Mm-hmm. Instead, she mailed me. She FedExed her, or whatever they were back then. Like, like. I think I have about 40 pages of her writing Wow! about, about Horton Foote. Wow. And, <laughs> and, 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 and Horton, oh, and she, when, when Horton gave me all the phone numbers, the people I could, oh, I was on the phone with Gregory Peck. I was on the phone with uh, Matthew Broderick. I was, I mean, on the phone with Shirley Knight, who passed away this past year, which is sad. She's the one who did, they did the, um, the Broadway version of, um, um, young man from Atlanta, and she won. She won a major award for it. But you know, just just to be on the phone with all of it, and and Robert Duvall. Oh gosh, I spent a lot of time on the phone with Robert Duvall. <laughs> but but Horton said, you know, Harper. She thinks that on the phone is not going to be a good thing to do. And it wasn't just because it was hard for her to hear. She also didn't want people calling her all the time. And the last letter I got from her, it was her last, you know, she'd redone, redone, redone. And she, I have this wonderful letter that said, and, and I'm putting that in the book, definitely. Um, she said, all right, I've changed it again. I think it's a lot better now. I think it's going to look really good. But she said, if you still think it should be changed somewhat, all right. Here's my phone number. Yay. <laughs> you can call me. And then she said, then you take it and you take it into little bitty pieces and you put it in your mouth and you eat it. <laughs> because I don't ever want anyone else getting my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, my gosh, that's, that was Harper Lee. And now mm-hmm. she's gone too. Wow. But, wow. Yeah. wow. So, so what brought you out to the Northeast? Um, primarily it was, um, my, um, my, my husband really, well, we, Chris and I got Amy, who's now 23 years old. Um, we went to China and got her when, you know, it was, that was in, um, oh my gosh, 1998. And my husband really thought that it would be much better for Amy to live on the East Coast, not the West Coast, hmm. is what his strong feeling about it was. So he just said, would you just look around and see if you could get a job on the East Coast? Well, that was when Quinnipiac was looking for a theater professor. Hmm. So it, just, it kind of happened like that. And, you know, I still miss, I had, you know, Whittier was a wonderful place. I have so many friends, professors. And, but um, but I think the main thing was that, that, that Chris thought that Amy would be a lot better off. And so he, he grew up 
on the East Coast. Mm. So he has strong feelings about that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I moved from, and, um, and I can still remember Horton a couple of days before we were, you know, about to, to move and, um, you know, in, in the car with the, the big van and everything. And, uh, <laughs> and he told me, he said, Crystal, you should stay right where you are because for one thing, you're really good at what you're doing. But for another thing, he said, his work was done a lot at Hartford stage and on broad, you know, in New York, all of that. Mm. But the only person who's ever directed it in LA is you. Mm. So you should stay there. That's what he told me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> in a very sweet kind of way. <laughs> him being, him being but it's, the way he spoke, it was very Southern. Mm-hmm. He had that kind of look to it. Mm-hmm. But he was smart as all get out. Mm-hmm. And people, when they first met him, would think, oh, well, he's from the South. He's got that kind of nice look. And he knows how to. But then when he's directing or when he's, you know, like, like they're watching, you know, the, the rehearsals, he is clear as clear can be. Mm-hmm. And then people go, huh, mm-hmm. he, he's really smart. <laughs> and um, he was also Christian science, which was something in Texas that no mm-hmm. one knew that was. So it's just, you know, he, 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 um, brilliant doesn't even begin to say who he really was. He really, you know, really something. And, uh, and so his, um, so his oldest is, um, Hallie and she's an actor and she's worked at all his plays for years, but now a lot of the film versions she was also in and now she's a producer. So she's continuing his work, which is why I think that if his plays are done eventually at the legacy theater, then I could get Hallie to come. I could get Michael Wilson to come. You know, people who are, you know, have done a lot of work over the country over the years, they could come as well. And um, and then and then um, Horton Jr., who was an actor, they sell anymore. And then Will, I think, uh, is a lawyer. But then the youngest one is Daisy Foote. Well, her plays have been done all over the country. She's a, she's a, a play right now. Hmm. Is Horton who inspired you to begin to write plays? Yes, very definitely. And how did your earliest playwriting uh, begin? What was what was your first project? Um, when I when I started my you know my PhD at UCLA that that fall of um, that would have been nineteen eighty nine, I thought you know to get a playwright to get a, a PhD in theater uh, might be hard to get a job so instead i went back to get my phd in um in um, um english so i was in the english department that fall and you know i took all the classes you're supposed to take but then i'm looking at the other classes they have one of the classes was tina howe they mm-hmm. had her come all the way from new york to la she and her husband and she was doing a playwriting class and i thought oh my goodness Tina Howe is doing a playwriting class. Mm-hmm. Now all all of the all of the students who were doing it, they were BAs in English, you know. Except for me. I was a PhD in English. Oh. And so I, I went to her office and I just said, um, Tina Howe, you're an amazing playwright. And I would love to take your class, but I know that, that most of the the English students are, are you know BAs and I'm actually a PhD. And she looked at me and said, you're getting a PhD in English. Why on earth would you want to do a class about playwriting? 
And I said, the first time I met Tina Hale, and I said, of course, I'd seen her plays. And, and I said, um, well, actually, I got an MFA in acting at UCLA. And she said, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you're theater. You're in theater right there. And I went, well, I, I and she goes, all right, you're going to take the class. But boy, you're going to do it exactly the way you really should do it. So that was the class. And then mm. that was the fall mm. of uh, 1989 and all of the you know and so we all did you know our 10 play and you know all that and then we did our our uh, um uh, the uh one x and everyone else would bring in you know friends do you know, like the, the readings of it me oh no tina told me no you're not gonna get you know somebody from the english department to do any of this you have a lot of friends who are actors you bring in the actors to do the readings. Mm. So I did. <laughs> and at, at the end, you know, we all got our, our you know, our, everyone else got an A except for me. I got an A minus. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that was the, that was the one, the first one act play, the first play I ever wrote was um, On the Wings of a Dove. And Tina had me redo it, redo it, redo it, redo it. And then she sent me this lovely letter along with, you know, we got our, our, our grades and everything, the, you know, right before Christmas, she written, which I still have, this wonderful letter that said, Crystal, you know what I think, because at that point she was the head of theater, of playwriting at NYU, and she said, you know, every two years we, we bring in 12 to get their, you know, their MFAs in playwriting. If you want to move to the East Coast, then I will put you in. And you will get your MFA in playwriting at NYU. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. And I read it, and I said, oh, my goodness. So I went home, and I told my husband. And he said, no. <laughs> Not till we have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, was, he wanted me to get a professorship is what he was wanting. I you see, know, I see. He wanted me to get that done. And at that point, it was English. And, yeah, but it's just um. So again, when when I got to take that class with Tina, once I went to Whittier College and started doing you know directing plays, I thought, oh, Tina, how? So the first fall, I did um, the Art of Dining, mm -hmm. and I had Tina come, and she spent three days with the students mm -hmm. doing the Art of Dining. Uh -huh. It was really something. So that's, I guess, you know. I just, I, you know, I met, first I met Morton and then I met Tina and it just became so clear that these are amazing playwrights. I really want to find ways to get involved with playwriting. Well, mm. directing is how it started. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And then you've done so much work, so we must talk about it um, in regards to looking around your own community and, um, you know, through education mainly, but but the uh, means of theater, um, expanding people's horizons, showing them who's on the other side of the fence. And this goes from prisons to Nicaragua to our own communities. Um, do you want to talk a bit about some of your uh, projects in that regard? Uh, right. Um, um, so uh, I did... Um... I did two plays. The first one was Whitewashed, The Beginnings, and then the second was called Whitewashed in the Neighborhood. And I did it with students at Quinnipiac and those who were, it's the New Haven Family Alliance. Uh, so a lot of the African-American, you know, basically they were, you know, junior high school 
um, you know, sadly, but a lot of their dads had left. A lot of their moms were in prison. Um, some of them had grandmothers that they stayed with, but it was very, very difficult for them thinking that they might wind up having the same thing happen to them. They might wind up going to prison. So the New Haven Family Alliance in started thinking, well, maybe there's got to be ways to maybe have them do some things that will help them think through what's happening with their lives. And that, that's when they got me involved with it. And so that fall, um, every Wednesday for three hours, um, all of my students and I would go into New Haven and we would go to their offices, New Haven Family Alliance. And then these students, there were eight of them, would come as well. And the first two or three months, my students couldn't stand any of this. They thought, why on earth are we spending all this time with these you know, young ones who are going to get in trouble. It's so clear. And and African-Americans were dying in, in New Haven at that point. They still are, I'm sure. But but I just, I just, can't, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I said, I am, I'm not a playwright. I'm a facilitator. That's all I am, is a facilitator. The playwrights are all of you. You all are going to write a play together. And in the fall, we're going to have classes every Wednesday where we work on it, and in the spring, we're doing performances of it at the Longworth Theater. And the first, I think, two or three, two and a half months, they didn't like each other. There was a lot going on, you know, being upset and all of that. But then, as they had to sit in that room every week for four hours, or three and a half hours, they began to finally get to know each other. And it changed. It completely changed, especially for the students at Quinnipiac, who were all all white, none of them were African American, it changed, and they really started thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is what's happening in this world." Then, when we did the performances in you know in the the spring, we had a huge amount of audience, and who were they? They were all of the families and the friends from New Haven who were African American. And it just, you know, to have these, you know, students on stage doing this and talking about, and they, oh, they wrote poems and they talked about what was happening to them. And I thought that's the kind of theater that can really change the world. That's what that is, you know, that's what it's for, mm -hmm. is to try to make everyone realize that there are ways with theater that we can do, you know, what, what, you know, you know, history, poli sci, all of that. It's the same kind of work. I think in some ways even more important with theater. Um, so that was that. And so, um, uh, you know, Alita Stanton and I are talking about trying to do another one, which would be great, um, especially with, with, you know, Black Lives Matter and everything. Then for, I think, four or five years um, in the spring, I would do a class uh, that I created called Theater for Community. And I would have the students, um, you know, creating, you know, plays and, and uh, you know, uh, that, with, you know, creating theater in a way that would help people who really didn't know about it. And what we would do it to do that with were, um, were young ones who lived in Nicaragua and not in Leon, which is a big city, no, way out in the country. And some of them went to classes elementary school but other than that they had to it was you know and their their dads were long gone and they were scared to death that something was going to happen to their moms so 
so the first three years, and, and then in June, we would, the whole group would go for um, eight days to Nicaragua. And, and, and actually that would be the rehearsals for these plays. Hmm. And for my students to spend you know, that amount of time. And, you know, I mean, there was, you know, a hotel that, that, that I and some of the other, you know, professors stayed at because it was all part of the, uh, the Albert Schweitzer Institute. But st we, our students stayed in houses in, in, um, right outside of Leon, but they lived with families who were going through everything, not as much as the, 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 uh, the young ones that they were, you know, doing the classes with, but, they lived with people who were, you know, they didn't have, you know, beds. They slept on the floor. They had very little food. You know, it's that kind mm. of. And then after we would have the, you know, the performance that day and then that night, they would have sort of a dinner thing outside. And then all the students would go and, and do, you know, either music or that. And I think that a that was so helpful because it changed people completely, which is, the Albert Schweitzer Institute has done that for years. But, mm. you know, that was so that I think was really interesting as well. And that kind of that that kind of work could be done here in the States. Yeah. It wouldn't have to you know, just be done, in, you know, and although it would be interesting to, to be able to do it in other parts of, you know, the, the you know, the uh, Central America and all of that. Um, and let's see what else i just i just think that well it's it's what i you know been talking about a lot is that theater is a way of you know finally how can how, how can we make a better world well theater can do that and that's that's why you know to be able to you know to just do the kinds of plays that audiences sit back and think oh my goodness mm. That really and, and and you know film versions of the same things as well um, and um, they also did, some of the film they also did um, the Horton Foot wrote a play called um, two of them one called because he he was first doing um, when they back many many in nineteen fifties when they would do plays on TV it was like you know that whole um, um, and he did. Um, one is called Old Man, and one is, oh, it's Playhouse 90. It was done on Playhouse 90. Uh, one is called Old Man, and one is called Tomorrow. And then Tomorrow was, uh, actually, it was done on uh, in New York, and then it was done as a film version. And Tomorrow, the main actor, of course, Robert Duvall. But um, these two plays were adapted from stories by William Faulkner. And, of course, because, you know, William Faulkner... Everyone knows who he was back down in the mm -hmm. South and all of that. But I think that Tomorrow would be a really interesting play as well, you know. Or, um, and, and the film versions of them. And um, so, you know, the first, the first film that, that, um, that Robert Duvall did was um, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. And the second was Tomorrow. Mm. And it's quite, I mean, he, boy, quite amazing. And then he, you know, and then of course he later did Cousins and then he did um, um, Tender Mercies and, you know. Well, you I, have certainly been a Tender Mercy in my life. 
Crystal. Thank you so much for for sharing this um, fabulous information that you have and that you you share with the world through your writings and also through um, your directing and through your teaching. I um, truly appreciate all that you've you've given to me through um, the mentorship. It's interesting how we we have these mentors throughout our lives, and you've had Tina and Horton uh, play such a strong role. And I feel like you've played. Um, just as strong as a strong role in my life. And um, so it's a thrill to be able to do this interview with you and have you as one of our first guests on, on air. Um, if, if people want to get a hold of you, is there a website or, um, you know, should I have them go to uh, info at legacy theater if they're interested? And if anybody has any follow-up questions for you, how can our listeners uh, get in touch? Um, well, I mean, they, you know, they could, definitely do my AOL if they want to do it that way. Um, or they could call me if they want to. Okay. Talk that would be fine. Great. Um, well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to um, seeing what all you can do with the Legacy Theater. Oh, you're wonderful. And <laughs> Keely, you're amazing, amazing, amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Crystal. <laughs> and have a nice rest of the week. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.